Minister, I've spoken again to the whips, and I fear it's just hopeless. We remain at loggerheads, and I can see no hope of finding a workable solution to Brexit. Dear God, how have we got to this point? I can't say, Minister, but as it stands, this could be the greatest crisis of governance this country has ever faced. You don't have to tell me that, Peter. Just when I think we've reached rock bottom, it seems to get worse. Is there nothing we can do? There is one last thing we could do, Minister. It's something which may only be used when things have become exceptionally bad. No, surely not. Indeed. In fact, I've already taken the liberty of initiating proceedings earlier. And just about now, by my reckoning... Bloody hell! Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. From right to left in your ears, Richard Porter. Hello. Sarah Leach. Hello. And I, I, I was going to call you Paul Ierson, but I won't. Hello. <laughs> First time we've ever called you by your last names in the intro to the show. Been revealed. It's a giveaway. The secret's out. Yeah. Hey, when was the last time any of us bought a new car? I know you have, Richard, recently. You bought a new car. Uh, yeah. Well, have you so actually bought it? No, oh. I've got a new car. It's my Jag has turned up at last. Yeah. Yay! It's very exciting. So yeah, that's a new car, but I'm leasing it. I bought two brand new cars in my life. My Defender I bought brand new, and I bought that Fiat 500 we used to have because I got drunk and promised my wife a car. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> always a good strategy for buying cars. I, know, I, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I've always bought a second, and I've never bought a new car. No, normally I wouldn't. You know what? You know, the Land Rover, just because I thought it's a keeper, and I want it, and you and really want it, it won't lose its value. Mm. But the Fiat, because second-hand ones were almost as expensive as new ones. I went to the dealer, and I, oh, hello, I'd like to buy a car. And they went, okay, here's a second. Went, yeah, good. Um, can I have different wheels on it? And they went, yeah, of course you can. Went, can I have this? And the guy went, we're going to build it for you. You can have whatever you want. Because I'd never bought a new car. I'd forgotten that you, you can, can say what you want. You want. Yeah. yeah. Usually yeah. it's more, you know, second hand. Could interest. you hoover it out, please, before I pick it up? <laughs> you can choose all the colours and everything. You can choose uh, yeah, the combinations of Yeah, the leather yeah. inside and everything. Yeah. You've got a car in Australia, haven't you? But not I, here. Yeah, I do have a car in Australia. Is it, do you buy it new or is it a second hand car? No, I, it was a good little second hand car, actually. It only had about maybe even 50 something Ks on it. Right. When I bought it, and yeah. this woman that had it before me, she'd had it for a, a few years. It's a little convertible Peugeot <laughs> sports car. A Peugeot, I what, mean, 30, 20, what? Yeah, one of those ones. Two o something CC. You can't even remember. Yeah, That's great. I yeah, no, my dad won't let me sell it because it was just a good little car. But my dad's really into his little sports cars. He's got a little MX5. No, a lovely he car. actually looks Good like taste. Jackie Stewart with the roof off and his glasses on. Does he? He's got yeah. a little flat Scottish yeah. cap. Yeah. It's like you've never bought a new car, have you? No, no, no. I've, I've never thought, bought a new car. I'd be insane to buy a new car. Yeah, correct. It's going to depreciate yeah, such a huge amount. It's a black mm. hole, isn't it? But that said, I mean, Richard, if you don't mind saying, how well did that Fiat 500 hold its value when you came to sell it a couple of years later? Was it? Well, I mean, we had that for... Five years, yeah, so. maybe more. We bought it in 2011, I think. I only sold it whenever. I can't remember. Five years, I think we had it. Yeah. I know, no, I mean, I can't remember what I paid for it new. I think it lost about seven grand, so I don't know. But this thing, because when I bought it, I'll be honest, having somehow made a promise to my wife after a couple of wines uh, <laughs> that... What, your wife was whining to you? Can we have a car? Can we no, have a car? she no, just went, you know, because my wife's American. I kept saying, just get your driving licence, because she had a US driving licence. But after a while, you're not supposed to drive anymore on a foreign licence if you actually live somewhere else. Yeah, so she had yeah, to go yeah. and do her driving test and get a UK licence. Yeah. She was in her 20s at the time. Having to go back and learn to drive again, effectively, and do a driving test, she's a bit like, oh, I can't be bothered. And I think that's the point at which I went, look... If you just go and do it and get your license, do your lessons, I'll buy you a car. <laughs> and it worked. And then the oh next day she goodness. went, are you really going to buy me a car? And I went, yes. And she <laughs> went, oh, can I have a Fit 500? And I was like, no, I meant like a sort of 500 quid Yaris or something. She went, oh, but that wouldn't be very safe, would it? It might break down. You know, I've got quite a long commute. So I went, <laughs> Smart woman you are. Right, I'll look into 500. I like her already. <laughs> so I got Smart. a mate in the car trade to start looking around auctions for 500s. And he went, 
Oh my God, they're going for stupid money. It was at an auction, it's like, you know, Astra's coming through and Fiesta's and nothing selling. 500 comes across the block, every hand in the room goes in the air and it went over book. And he just went, that's happening all the time, it's ridiculous. Those cars are such hot property at the moment. You know, you can't get any bargains. Don't think I'm going to get you a steal here, I'll probably get you something that's all right. But and at that point they brought that Twin Air one out and I went, oh, I quite like that. Yeah, great little It's car. fun because it makes a funny noise great and it's fast. And I wanted the Arbath one, but the insurance on the Arbath is ridiculous for a new driver, which effectively my wife was. Oh, yeah. Twin Air was insurable and quite zippy and made an amusing noise. The Abarth, and also, or as I like to call it, the Fiat 500 for blokes. <laughs> well, that's just it's institutional sex. Uh, uh, I'm quite, quite disappointed yeah. that you brought that to the show. Anyway, it was my son who said that. They sell the Abarth so guys can drive the 500 as well, as Tycho oh, said to me. Michael Schumacher had an old Fiat 500. The Fiat True, yeah, yeah. a super cool car. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if Marcus Schumacher drove it. Yeah, there you go. But there again, there was the Seicento Michael Schumacher edition, which wasn't necessarily a cool car. But listen, what I'm alluding to here, what I'm asking about us buying new cars is, how influenced are we four, and you guys listening, by advertising for cars? This whole thing is driven by an advert that's on TV at the moment for the Renault Kajar. Renault are advertising it driven by this character called Liv who is a virtual woman. Have you seen the advert? Oh, yeah. oh wait yeah, a second. I've yeah. seen it running on a telly that was on mute. Right. Possibly my own. Yeah. I can't think how or why. I never see TV adverts anymore because you just watch everything Adverts on demand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Virtual woman driver. And she's yeah. got quite big eyes. Huge really? eyes, yeah. yeah very I have, Instagram. I've seen that running yeah. and I thought, yeah. that's a bit odd. Yeah, and do you think this Uncanny was... Valley thing? you know, good for an audience wanting to buy I'm wondering what their logic is for this. I don't quite get it. I've only just got the pun earlier today. It suddenly dawned on me why she's called Liv, as in L-I-V. It's a pun on live, L-I-V-E. Live a bit. Be real. It's about living the real world. I think they're alluding to some reaction to autonomous cars or living in the virtual world, getting a car which they advertise is good for going up mountains and being in the city. It seems really abstract and really arbitrary, but a long way from Peugeot's driving through fields of wheat on fire in the 1980s, which is how we used to drive adverts for cars. Well, it's my impression that car advertising has become a lot more, how do you say, kind of lifestyle-oriented, the advert is much more likely to be selling you on the idea of some kind of very often family-based lifestyle. It's, you know, this car could be part of your perfect family life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not yeah. necessarily a new idea, because adverts in the 50s and the 60s time, had that you know, too. But, but it seems to be that there's more of that and less of the bold performance and exciting driving experience. Well, it's also, they're not allowed to do a lot of that. Exactly. Is that yeah. too? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, I tend to agree with the whole lifestyle point, because last year I worked for Alfa Romeo at the Goodwood Festival of Speed, yeah, and they went and they engaged with a couple of social media lifestyle influencers. Oh. So when you say advertising influencers, they've gone and said, "Okay, this is our digital audience. Let's try and sell some cars to the masses on Instagram." They flew out guys from Italy. They had some young twenty-something hotshot with model looks. I think he had a lip job. Oh, <laughs> and was, yeah. So I sort of had a film crew, and we were like shooting stuff for the Alfa Romeo social with these influencers. So we took stills, we took Instagram story, we did a YouTube video clips for Twitter. And they had just launched the Julia, and also oh, the Stelvio. Stelvio, yes. Yeah. And they engaged with these social media influencers, and they were selling cars through their social media channels yes, using these lifestyle bloggers. Call me old-fashioned, Sarah. Yes. But the word influencer and Instagram is the opposite of a sales agenda for me. But there again, I'm approaching my 60s. Well, That's a complete turn-off. But, but this is so much more interesting with the way that people consume media. That, you know, well, you know, people are yeah. getting a lot more of their Then McLaren, for example, they've got like five point. Five million McLaren Auto. I mean, they've got five point something million followers, and they are putting photos of all their sports cars. This is on Instagram. You're talking on yes. Instagram. Yeah. yeah, they're really. Yeah, so they're selling cars using social media channels. I suppose they're just trying to get engaged with that generation of. Well, you've got to follow the audience, haven't you? And we know that people are leaving print media in droves, and they're just sitting on their phone the whole time. I noticed advertising on. 
car magazine, appropriately enough. If you go to a car magazine link on your phone, it's just scrolling down through every other flaming line of the story. Mm. You get an animated, I think it was a BMW advert with motion graphics going on with prices and the brand moving. So it's bridging that gap between video and still image. And I just found it annoying. Maybe I'm just old. Well, interstitial advertising, advertising that's pushed you that way can often be irritating, I find. Intrusive. Unless they have nailed it just right and they are actually feeding you an ad for something that you are genuinely interested in at that moment. These are cars. I love love car adverts. I should like it. So maybe it's the style that's not working for you. It's the frequency within the copy is what annoyed me. Can I ask you, just to be a little bit rhetoric, if you were, I don't know, in charge of advertising at one of these car manufacturers, how would you spend your money? Would you go magazine, television, social media? That's There's the answer. That's, that's yeah, well, I'd like- yeah you, you have to follow the audience. I would hammer an advert into a box set on Netflix somehow. But I would make it funny. I would make it self-deprecating. How would you do that when the whole thing about watching box sets on Netflix is that you don't get adverts? I would find some way of not being able to skip this, but I would make it funny. A good advert. You're happy to see a second time. You'll tell your friends, have you seen this advert? It's great. It's funny. I would find a way of doing that. But you're right, Sarah. You've got to get to people, and that's the way to do it. It's horrible. I know a story about this in terms of of taking a new approach to advertising. A few years ago, as a guy who used to work at GM, and he's fantastically, he's called Joe Jacuzzi. He is genuinely from the Jacuzzi family who invented the... um, Jacuzzi? Sandwich maker. (laughs) He moved from GM to Audi. He's an American guy. He was in Europe, and he went back to the US and took a job with Audi USA as, like, their comms boss, marketing boss, whatever. And he went to the bosses there, and he went, I've got a pitch for you here. I want to take all of our advertising budget... For I think they were launching the A7, and he went. I want to take all of that stuff we'd normally have spent mags, you know, magazine, newspaper adverts, and maybe a TV ad. I want to roll it all into one YouTube advert, and I want to get Leonard Nimoy and Zachary Kinto. Oh, I've seen it. Well, there you yeah, go. Yeah. So it works. Yeah, you're not even American, and you've yeah. seen it. Spock versus Spock. Yeah, and it was a, the two actors who played Spock. Yeah, in the car. It was a viral. It was released on YouTube. And it cost them a lot of money because they had to get two Hollywood actors in. But it clearly And worked. the Audi people went, all right, on your head be it. And it worked like a charm. I mean, it was off mm-hmm. the scale because then they were measuring you know, how widely seen it was, but not just that, you know, who it was getting to. It was mm. getting to a younger audience, which, if nothing else, is sort of softening people up for the age when they finally can afford an expensive car. There we go. And Joe Jacuzzi was held aloft in Audi headquarters as a genius and then got poached back by GM to try and do something right. similar for him. But that's it. But he took a real punt. He basically put his job well, on the line and went, a high risk strategy. we're in a weird time. Print ads aren't going to do anything. TV ads, people are they're skipping through because they've recorded yeah. something or they're watching video on demand. They don't, no one's watching TV adverts mm. anymore unless they're doing some live event, you know, like X Factor or something. But and if you're doing an ad on YouTube, unless it's that kind of ad that you really want to watch. Well, that's the thing. It's it, got it, to be it's so be, good. It's five yeah, seconds long. Yeah, you either got to be so good. I was about to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. event advert. An event, yeah. yeah. You know, an ad that people actually are waiting yeah. to see. I mean, people are excited about the Super Bowl ads. Yeah, it's yeah. insane. I remember being in the US once when the Super Bowl was on and a British friend of mine came around to the house we were renting and we were just like watching the Super Bowl because we were like, oh, it's the kind of thing we've sort of got to do, isn't it? Because we're in America. Because we have nothing to talk about. And we were <laughs> saying, but we were just talking <laughs> yeah. to each other during yeah, the game and then the ads would come on and be like, oh, sh- hang on, let's see what's going on here. <laughs> it is weird there. But funny enough, two years ago, I remember talking about Alfa Romeo their big Super Bowl ad was part of their big relaunch in the US. Basically, they were trying to build up their heritage. So it's loads of footage of old Alfa Romeos and old racing cars and road cars. And it was nicely done, but it sort of said nothing except, hey, we've made a load of cars in the old days, and now we're here again with new cars for you. It was just bland. Brand awareness. Yeah, Yeah, but just there was nothing. You would never go to somebody, hey, did you see that Alfa Romeo Super Bowl ad? You just go, it's a very nice ad. Audi made this advert about sort of empowerment of women and this little girl, and it was proper, like, kind of, oh, I've got something in my eye kind of stuff. And you (laughs) would go to someone... Did you see that bloody Audi advert? Uh-huh. It was really powerful stuff. Even what though it had no cars in it. Yeah. Well, if difference. you talk about that kind of sort of brand heritage thing and how the Alpha thing didn't quite work, that makes me think of the Honda ads of a few years ago when they had the, you know, dreams. the old dreams. Again, yeah, the yeah. sequence of Honda-powered vehicles, yeah. motorbike, memorable sequence. Really beautiful, beautiful advert that mm. absolutely sold you on Honda, the brand. Completely That's wrong. a great example of a brilliant advert. It was stylish. It, it was made emotional. you a 
affectionate, yeah. it was emotional, it yeah. made you affectionate for the brand. Because I think it's very hard to sell an individual product. But if you can introduce the idea of a brand or a, an image or an added value that you get from something, that's probably more effective these days. Actually, I'm going to disagree with you. I yeah. love that Honda advert, but I don't think it was a good advert. I think it touched our heartstrings because we're car because we're fans. Mm-hmm. And we went, oh, God, aren't Honda brilliant? Don't they make a lot of stuff? I think if you know almost nothing about Honda and you don't care about cars, you just go, that's quite funny, that guy with yeah. the moustache with that yeah. you know, Toyota advert or whatever it was. And why does he end up in a hot air So, yeah, a lovely advert yeah, if you're yeah. already on board, but not a great advert. Whereas that oh, cog no. one... Remember that one with that sort of mad Rube Goldberg machine? Yeah, thing? brilliant. Now, that was good because the Finn strap one was, isn't it nice when things just work? Now, that he tells you something. Please, yeah. for oh, was it? UK. Beg your pardon. You said Rube Goldberg. Yeah, it was this that. Is, this is one of these US-UK things. Sorry. No, that's okay. Um, what, what do we call them? Heath Robinson. Uh, yeah. Well, Rube Goldberg was a guy who stylized that kind of machine that knocked onto another effect. No, no, Heath Robinson was a more cobbled together version of making something work. No, I think that they're exactly the same. Just in the UK, you say Heath Robinson. Yeah. In the US, you say Rube Goldberg. When you're talking about an overly complicated, ridiculous machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what you I always think about. Heath Robinson's being he, a bit gimp crackly. You just go, oh, yeah. God, he's made a complete Heath Robinson of that. It's like <laughs> it's something that's a bit cack. Uh, Rube Goldberg so overcomplicated. Heath Robinson cobbled together to make it work no. that's the inference in my heart no I think I just, we're getting off the point okay but, but, but I feel wrong. like Heath but, Robinson but would be a great name for a cat <laughs> 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 Heath Robinson or Rue Goldberg name. I've got a dog called Rue Goldberg why do you call Rue Goldberg <laughs> look what he's Robinson. doing sounds like no. a character out of Neighbours um, <laughs> <laughs> talking, talking of Neighbours and Australia <laughs> the thing that we don't have on TV in the UK that they have in the US and I'm wondering if they have it in Australia as well is that Colour. kind of oh yeah we're black and white over here aren't we (laughs) it's that whole car advertising that's driven by massive dealerships so in the states it's come down to dave evans uh, toyota we're doing a deal this week well we'll pay for your children to go to school does car advertising australia work like that it does does. australia follows america in a lot of ways i think in terms of all that sort of westernization kind of stuff and all their fast food chains and getting into the super bowl they do there is the car salesman you know, but I think it's a happy medium between America and Britain. Right. I mean, there's, Britain there's, aren't as in your face, whereas yeah. America's really, yeah, they're, yeah. Uh, they're in. We, you've seen that kind of American advertising. I love it. It's yeah, so I honest. Yeah, as well, because it is always a sight. Yeah. Oh, it's unbelievably honest. Yeah. If yeah. you can find a cheaper Subaru, I'll eat my own leg. And Nick, <laughs> what are you talking about? You're insane, man. And you realise he really is the guy who works yeah. there, whereas it just wouldn't work. There is and he's got journey. one leg that's yeah. been gnawed my, on. My yeah. name's Nigel Davis. Uh, I'm the executive sales manager <laughs> here at Brentford Ford. We've got some fiestas behind me. You used if you'd to like get... to buy one, come and see me. We wouldn't we'd dare be, be that brash, no, would we? It just wouldn't work. No, no. America. We used so to have those ads in, in, in local cinemas. You know, in local cinemas. Yes. You know, years ago, before the days when you had nice, you know, big budget cinemas, you'd have come to the Star of India around the corner from yeah. the yes. cinema, yeah, right? yeah. and you'd have a bad photograph yes. of the exterior of a restaurant, and then a not even the actual Star of India. Of the interior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why were they always obsessed with just quoting a time from the cinema as well? It's like it could have been by helicopter. <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> but the closest we get to those kind of dealer ads are that will be webuyanycar.com. Yeah. Deet, 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 deet. Oh, don't, yeah. don't do it. He's got it, you see? But job see, done. It's memorable. Yes. It's memorable. That, that's job ad, that's done. advertising that I once that works. read a thing about advertising that said one of the most genius bits of advertising from the 80s or 90s was Mr. Cadbury's Parrot. Do you remember? It's a stupid advert. Mr. Like Slater's Parrot. Playing yeah. pool and then this crap hand puppet of Mr. Cadbury's Parrot just popped out on the pockets and went, Rock! and just tried to sell them some chocolate eggs. But someone said, why it's a good advert is because to tell someone about it, you have to go, have you seen that stupid Mr. Cadbury's Parrot advert? And you've just you go, said the name of the exactly. brand. Because yeah. yeah. nothing yeah. fails more yeah. than advertising where people go, have you seen that advert with that guy and he's parachuting and it's for... Um, I don't know, toothpaste of some sort? Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, classic example being something like, you know, the Leonard Rossiter, Joan Collins ads back in the 70s. They were everybody's favourite advert. Everybody recognised them, loved them, but a remarkably small proportion of people actually knew what the adverts were for. Were they martini? Cinzano. Yeah, oh, you see, there we go. Not martini. So you failed, Rossiter. My God, I've spilled it all over But they didn't work. You see, poor old Sarah's guy, I have no idea what they're talking about here. So I'll, no, YouTube will have the answer. Yeah, 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 I was actually just thinking of an iconic Australian ad. Have you heard the ad where she's not happy, Jan? 
No. no it's, one, it's, it's one of those ads that everyone in Australia knows. Does it make, can you explain it to oh, us? You know what? I can't even. Uh, you know, and exactly it defies right. explanation. I don't know what brand that was, but yeah. I just know they're not happy, Jan. Good I catchphrase. Yeah. But Did job you, not done I'm because we don't know what the brand done. was for. Yeah, what was it for? On YouTube, advert, not happy jam. Yeah. Did you not know, uh, this came up the other week, and again, I can't remember the brand. It was a car insurance advert. I think it might have been the AA. They had a long-running campaign with two actors in a car, man and a woman, and then themselves, but more successful, pull up alongside. And it's the same actors playing themselves. Yeah. And it's, all right, Bev, all right, Tev. Yeah, Tev, I know, yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah, it's ringing a bell. The woman in that was Oscar winner Olivia Colman. No! And I was trying to think, is that the only example of an advert that starred somebody who went on to win an Oscar? Well, wow. I mean, I'm sure, I don't know if it is. I bet there's something else where you'll go, oh no, actually, it turns out that. I, I bet there's no. Look at this. Sadiki Sadiki hasn't won an But it's, like, it's yeah, different it's, where they do yeah, that thing where yeah. it's like, you know, you've won an Oscar and then you go and do an advert for like yeah, eggs in Japan or something. That doesn't count. Harvey Keitel doing an advert. Yeah, it's if you. In your earlier career. But yeah, and I heard Olivia Coleman was on David Tennant's podcast, which is very good, give it a listen, talking about it, I think it was. And she said, the thing is, she got a flat fee for that. And then they ran it for years and years and she never got any more money for it. I hate when that happens. But hey, she's got an Oscar now. I know, she's got an Oscar now, but it's incredible. She's she's good in everything. Comedy, drama, terrific comedy. She's very self-deprecating. And yet I always think she must have an absolutely beady eye for a good script. She never makes a wrong move, does she? It's always immaculate. I was interested to read, I think Emma Stone said of working with her on The Favourite, that after she'd been working with her for a week or so, she was struck by how nice she was. But Mm. she she thought, oh, she's... Probably just putting this on. No one's really that nice. A couple of weeks later, she's like, yeah, no, she really is Oh, God, is she that really nice. is that nice, really yeah. That nice. No, she says on this David Tennant show, she goes, I've just always tried not to be a dick. I remember yeah. her in Look Around You yes. with Peter Serafinovich. Yeah, yeah. She was great in that. Definitely an eight or a great, nine. Great in the green wing. Yeah, go so on. It's kind of come, yeah, come back to not <laughs> Sorry having about yeah. this. Yeah, so, so it was a. Sarah's been doing some research. Yeah, yeah, it, was a, it was an Australian Yellow Pages ad. But can I just. Uh, now that we mentioned it, it's an even better ad. There's these Katoot and Ronda ads, double AMI insurance, car insurance ads. Katoot and hot, Ronda? Yeah, hot like a sunrise. This is very funny. This is Indian guy sits on a beach and he's just. It's very funny. I mean, I need to show you the video. You do. do. We'll put I a do. link to it on the Page and, and it was program. funny because all the Australian Wallabies kept quoting it on their Twitter's Hot Like a Sunrise. It was hot very like, funny. We're having that Hot Like a Sunrise. Listen, we've got to move on, but is paper advertising dead? And I ask this because do you remember how Alfa Romeo basically paid for car magazine and auto car throughout the 80s and the 90s? There was always an Alfa Romeo advert on the back page, on the inside back mm. page. I think Seat are doing it at the moment. So, Seat have been doing it for Years. Yeah, and say I've got this awful advert on the back of. Uh, I'm holding up a car magazine here for everyone to see, and uh, it's got to say a car magazine. That's a magazine whose title is Car, car Magazine. Than, mm. Yeah, a car magazine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a car magazine. And the page is split fifty-fifty. The bottom half is sniff petrol orange. The top half is a picture of a Seat. What is that? An Arcona? Oh no, it's the little... Uh, who is it? We don't even know, right? No. That's the point. It's a blue one. And the... Sam- They've forgotten to put the name of exactly. the car on the... <laughs> exactly. And, and what makes it even worse is that the whole tagline for this advert is, because they blend in, we stand out. And all we know it's a say at... We don't know anything else about it. Fail. Also, the, 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 the other tagline is, them. because them, comma, us... Yeah, that's because terrible. them us. I mean, what does that mean? Nothing. Well, because nothing. what? Because they're trivial. because they're boring and we're not. Because I don't of know. them, we are. But they're also them. advertising an extremely generic small SUV, the kind that everybody makes now. If you, if you, if you, if you say the, the guy right. that came up with that thinks he's probably a genius. He probably had a very long lunch and then some cocaine after coming up with that one. <laughs> not suggesting that they did. I'm just basing it on what happened in advertising in the 80s, as yeah, I that, understand. That was when it. there was money in print advertising. Yes, yeah. now it's not. Now we can I go ago. and have a Burger King? Come on. God's sake, mate. Don't expense it back. (laughs) (laughs) So, remember, kids, don't let advertising influence the way you think. Some car adverts will tell you that their cars are better because they advance through technology. Some cars are advertised on family aspirations. Come on, darling, let's go for a drive. Can we come too, Daddy? 
Okay, kids, let's have some family time in the car. Hooray! Others will simply try and sell you their car on value alone. Yes, the popular car economy budget edition comes with everything you need. Wheels, an engine, a roof, it's even got a door. And it opens. But here at Infinity, we let our cars sell themselves. And that's why we didn't sell any cars. Infinity, the Lexus you've never heard of. There's a line in a TV advert at the moment, which is a Toyota advert, where they're talking about their hybrids as self-charging hybrids. Is there any other kind of hybrid? I know there are plug-in hybrids, but even they self-recharge, don't they? Mm. And it annoys me. I love Toyota. I love what they do with hybrids, but that annoys me. But the truth is, it's sort of a zeitgeist thing. A lot of people aren't ready to move over to EVs yet, so they're going for the hybrid or range extender option. And Richard, you've been driving a Range Rover hybrid, which just sounds really odd. Which one have you been driving? Range Rover Sports, FEV, so plug-in hybrid. Oh, it's a plug-in. I didn't know it was a plug-in hybrid. There is also the full-size Range Rover that is now available as a FEV as well. Mm -hmm. So it's got a two-litre four-cylinder turbocharged engine. Ingenium? Ingenium. I have to say that. Yeah. And an electric motor. And add them together and you get over 400 horsepower. So it's not slow. It's unusual. You know, a lot of these cars, they'll stick electric motor on one axle and then the petrol engine will do the other one. Or they'll integrate it in some way, like Toyota do, you know, through a kind of faux CVT gearbox. This... The electric motor's on the back of the normal eight-speed automatic gearbox. The reason being, when the electric motor alone is driving it, it's still got a full four-wheel drive capability, because obviously it's Land Rover, so they don't want to give that up. It's an interesting car. It's a curate's egg. It's like, where can I start? Do you curate's can lay eggs? Can I ask eggs? you a question about this car? Yeah. I was trying to read up on how, it today. I, I want to know if, out, do you curate's lay eggs? I'm going to ask a girl question. So, <laughs> it's a hybrid car, so it's obviously part electric. Yeah. And so I read or I saw today that it's meant to, for the first 50 kilometres, be able to go electric. And then yeah. after that, what does it switch over to the Yeah, so... Other? If you've plugged it into the mains also charger, filled the battery up, yeah, it's 30-ish miles, so 50Ks, of pure electric, and there's a mm. button, there's an EV button inside, so you press that, and you're basically telling it, be an electric car. Don't, don't you don't dare start that petrol yeah, engine, or so help me, I'll come down there. And, yeah. yeah, and that means you can just drive around the city, oh, really? pure electric. So you can just top up the electric as you go, and at worst case scenario, you can kick into the petrol. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, if you deplete the battery... It then just basically works mostly like a petrol car. Still, it'll use a bit of regeneration, like a Prius, you know, like yes. these non-plug-in hybrids. It can fill up its own battery a little bit and then use that at very low speed. So if you're parking it, it always seems to drop back into battery mode. So you sort of very silently creep into parking spaces. Super low speed, it's electric. But if you've depleted the battery, it'll be using that petrol engine just like a normal car. This is where it gets interesting. The problem with that car is that if you haven't charged it up from the mains mm-hmm. and you're relying on the little dribble of electricity that will go back into it under coasting and braking, it is not particularly economical. It's doing, I don't know, a bit of town, a bit of motorway. I think it was doing 25 miles to the gallon. Right. It's not amazing. Mm-hmm. When it's got full battery it's mostly using that and it's super economical it's hardly troubling the petrol engine at all it's not at all if you tell it to be an electric car but obviously you use the battery up faster if you let it think for itself then you know if you really clog it or you go onto the motorway it might bring in a bit of petrol it can can be pure electric up to i think it's 85 miles an hour so in theory really yeah yeah the latest price is like that as well the latest price is able to switch off its petrol and just use electricity at much higher speeds than it used to be able to right So this isn't another thing that's sort of happening. But this is the thing. There's a particular use case for that car, which I think actually works. Range Rover Sports, you see them around town. There's the fancy gym near our house where I take my boy to play football. On a Saturday morning, (laughs) looks like a bloody Range Rover showroom. It's absurd. I was really pleased I got a Range Rover last weekend (laughs) because I could take my boy to football in a Range Rover at last. I fit in. Thank you. (laughs) Do you wave at all the other parents? Yeah, but I was like, but this is the fev one now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nicer than yours. But I think if you're the kind of person who's using one of those cars for, I mean, let's say, full cliché, school run, and there may be a commute to work that's, I don't know, 
10 miles and you've got a driveway and you've got a charger and you plug it in every evening you've got an ev for most you've of got the week, an yeah. electric range rover yeah. which actually is lovely it's quiet it's comfortable it's all those sort of range rover things you set up nice it's and high it's a nice the, car uh, the, yeah and it would be really yeah exactly and it would be really really cheap to run i was yeah. reading about the new second generation evoke this week yes and how that it's a mild hybrid that's now. a mild hybrid so that will uh, never just run on pure electric yeah it only uses it to recover any energy it's lost under braking but yeah, will never it'll sort of run just gets itself moving and does sort of torque fill with yeah the, yeah just basically making it more efficient and in powerful. theory yeah. in yeah. theory but this is the thing that the report was saying well it's not as efficient as it should be the max so we got heavy. out of it was 35 miles yeah. per gallon most of the time it was doing 22 miles per gallon so we're forced into hybrids because we need to reduce co2 that's a good way it also allows us to use cars in cities when there are going to be restrictions on cars with high co2 yeah but in truth in terms of economy or efficiency it's not making as big a difference as we hope it would. Mm. But surely part of the problem there is that the designers are maybe just not making the internal combustion engine part of the vehicle as efficient as it could be, because they can get away with that, because they've got the added hybridness to, uh, to improve the overall efficiency of the vehicle. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. I wonder. Um, I think part of the problem... insight on that might be able to tell us, but you well, can... part of the problem with this Range Rover is that they've downsized the petrol engine, so it's only a two-litre, you know, there's never been a, an engine that small in, um, mm. in the Range Rover Sport before. I mean, there was, weirdly, they did put that engine in without the electrical cabins, but usually, you know, it's a three-litre diesel, or it's a five-litre V8 petrol, yeah. or whatever. So... It's an engine that's having to work quite hard when it's doing the moving of the car. And now mm. it's got a battery and an electric motor to lug around as well. And it mm. does so feel heavy. Even the steering's really heavy. It's got really heavy steering, which is fine, but it's sort of weird in a modern car. It's definitely because it's the sport they've gone out. It's a Range Rover Sport. It has to feel sporty, heavy steering. And here's the other weird thing about that car. It is really, really good fun to drive around on a country road. I went for a little drive in it, and I was thinking, well, this will be no good because it's heavier than a normal Ranger Sport, and it's just going to be all wallowy. And And you stick it in dynamic mode, and you chuck it around. I was actually having a really good time. I was going, this is hilarious, but then it had run out of battery, and it was doing like 20 miles per gallon. Maybe something with the weight being lowered down? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It does still feel heavy, but it's amazing how it contains its weight, and it's got good direct steering without being too sort of nervous, and you're just zooming about. It's like like a big hot hatchback. I think that's just inherent Range Rover Sport stuff. It's one thing they've said yeah. about the Range Rover Sport. It, it actually is a proper driving car, and it theoretically yeah. is defying the laws of physics. You shouldn't be able to oh, do what it yeah. can do. It's messing with physics, definitely. But that's the thing. I suppose if you were looking at it and going, oh, I want a really, really economical Range Rover, mm, you might be disappointed, unless you are someone who just does local miles a lot, and you can plug it in at home. And, well, there's a lot of people who are like that, so knock yourself out. Not many people yeah. buy a Range Rover because they want an efficient vehicle. That's true. No, but they probably go, oh, I really want a Range Rover, but I have a pang of but guilt I'm, about yeah, it. And, sure. yeah, yeah, you know, lots I, of, I can assuade loads of people around my neck of the woods. Yeah, one of sure. my best friends yeah. lives in Wimbledon. She's a school mum, so she just goes from home to school, to the shops, to the village. Yeah. So she, she would be perfect for that little yeah. hybrid electric. Yeah, because yeah. that's it. And the only thing is, that unlike a... She wants a little city car. She doesn't want a 4 by 4 But that's the thing, but people... People I, I, do, I don't they? You can't good. fight it. The people do. And the thing is, I guess your mate would probably be fine with a pure electric car, you know, with a yeah, well, like high pace or something. Yeah, she could just top up the electric, probably be economical. Yeah, but that's the thing. People have this sort of paranoia about, ah, oh, but I might once a year have to drive to Leeds or something. And you want and that security. Of, mm. Yeah, well. I yeah. bet you know the answer All to this. All your stuff's in the room. <laughs> Richard, I bet you know the answer uh, to this. How far away are we from a pure electric Range Rover, because we're going to get a pure electric Jaguar XJ and a bigger car than the I-Pace soon. That's going to transfer over to Range Rover, isn't it? The I-Pace platform supposedly is going to provide the basis of some kind of Range Rover. I don't know, but I think it'll be another model that will fit into the range because it'll be pure electric only, you know, in the way that they market it as the electric Range Rover. It's self-contained rather than a variant of a Velar or a Range Rover. I Range Rover. (laughs) What, do you reckon four years away, something like that? No, probably closer. Really? Well, the box of bits is ready to go. You just need to put a new top hat on it, so I think they could do it sooner i don't know i mean they're busy they've got a lot of cars to try and get out and refresh and all sorts but yeah i was thinking actually because you know we've got the i-pace but i was driving this range rover and i did like it but i sort of thought should we have had one of these because then there's no anxiety about going further afield but we would for the most part just drive it around on electricity and that feels like that's okay but then i was like well actually we can't charge at home except 
I've decided on something. I'm having an electric charging point put in at home, even though we don't have a driveway. Because I can't live with the public charge around the corner, which used to have no one using it and was my entire sort of case for having an electric car. Now it's always busy. Well, the other day it was broken and two people's charging cables were just hanging, rather sad cables <laughs> hanging out of it. And all the lights on the front were lit up red and clearly something had gone horribly wrong and people had gone, oh no, Danger. I've got to unplug my car but I can't get my cable back out of the unit and so they had to drive off. But there and are thought, too many I can't live with electric this. cars in your area for the infrastructure. Now, of course, anyone who's ever had, you know, sort of pod point these people will come, they will install one of their chargers at your house and they have to do it themselves and they will not do it if you don't have a driveway, because if you don't have a driveway, you're not eligible for the government grant that gives you a load of money back. And I guess that money goes to the installers, so they like it. So yeah. they're not going to break the rules. And so I thought, I'm a bit stuck here. I can't get a charger put in at home. I hadn't reckoned with Dino from my local electricians, <laughs> who I went, would you be able to install an electric charger point? I know some people are funny about this. And he went, whatever. <laughs> and Dino's that coming, around. Dino's coming around in a couple but of days to result- size up my house. So what I'm going to do is, and this is not illegal, so don't write in, because I've checked this, the law says that you are allowed to temporarily run a hose or cable across a pavement as long as you take all reasonable measures to make it safe. Doesn't the law also say that I can drive a flock of sheep across London Bridge, though? Or is that- yes, and right. you can shoot, shoot a Welshman with, with an, an arrow. arrow. <laughs> in stereo. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to do that as a sort of belt and braces so that we'll never be stuck. So you're taking a part that all this kind of stuff won't be policed? I'm hoping so, and I'm hoping that the actual police don't know where I live. If someone falls over the cable, I'm probably in trouble. I'm relying on the fact that my road isn't a thoroughfare. It's a dead end. So and people you put don't... one of those bombs. Oh yeah, I'm going to get all that. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking into this. I've yeah, found some like thing. LED flashing lights and all sorts. So I'm going to go to town. It's going to look like danger. Warning, cable. Yeah. yeah. So you've got a full EV. Yes. The other term for the Range Rover is a FEV, a plug-in hybrid electric EV, vehicle, a FEV, yeah. which means a battery electric vehicle is a BEV. Yep. So we've got BEVs, FEVs and EVs. No, no, a BEV is an EV. A BEV is an EV, yes. yes. Yeah, they're all EVs, mm. but a BEV is a subcategory of EV. Yes, I yeah. suppose so. As opposed to a FEV, which is also a subcategory of EV, but not a complete EV. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, does that mean that all of the cars with petrol and diesel engines, they are NEVs? Not EVs. I think we should refer to those as NEVs. They're ICE. ICE. Because electric car nerds get very cross about being ICED. Yeah, yeah. Which means a petrol diesel car is parked in an electric car charging space. I was ICED by an Audi today. You see it on these Facebook groups. Everyone gets very angry. Oh, no, I've been (laughs) joining a lot of Facebook groups. Do you know what? Actually, because I think sort of one make and one obsession Facebook groups can often be insufferable. And one of the first ones I joined ages ago when I had a Nissan Leaf electric car was the Nissan Leaf group on Facebook. And they're really nice. There's very few arguments. They're all pulling in the same direction, which is they all love their cars. And they've also... The the Leaf turns out to be incredibly reliable, as it seems. There's very little bitching about it. Yeah, so... You know, what lights help My experience from Facebook is that Leafs are... uh, Leafs are quite nice people. Actually, the i3 group's nice. The i-Pace group's nice. It's like electric cars at the moment seem to attract nice people. I haven't gone in there. How about Tesla groups, then? Tesla groups, are they sort No, of I think they're probably a bit loony. Right well, yeah, because if anyone ever criticises Teslas, they just go bananas. We've got a new Tesla out, the Model Y, which is, Elon. to well, all intents and purposes, a model... I don't know, it's not out yet. Okay, yeah, yeah, I know. No, okay. I've got a theory about this. Go on, then. Go on. Based Elon on Model Musk 3, crossover Facebook group. <laughs> <laughs> you've joined one have you just no, join I'm now to find one okay I, I you find one now yeah go on and see how deranged they are I mean how enlightened they are about that <laughs> it's a wonderful car so, go on you're going to tell us that this Model 3 that we've seen is just a mock-up yeah no they had one they were giving people quick rides around the sort of roads by the design studio where they announced it so it's obviously they've got one working prototype yeah. and then there was a second car parked inside that had blacked out windows I'm guessing that is probably a model blacked out so you can't see you that there's see nothing it, inside it's just a shell yeah, yeah it's a fiberglass shell I mean it probably you know, sort of splash moulding taken off the clay model or something like that which is fairly standard in the car industry it's just that Tesla has this habit of releasing first details of their cars very early very early (laughs) and I had this sort of reasonably good natured argument with a Tesla enthusiast on Twitter a couple of weeks ago where he was saying, because it's just a Model 3 underneath, it's just new panel work, it'll be easy, I bet they'll get it out in time. And I was saying, mm. it's not easy. 
platform sharing saves time and money, but it's a new there's a lot of detail box to get on right top. And yeah, the detail it's like if they're doing it properly, and they do. Let's be honest, have a little bit of a history of not quite doing it properly. You know, the quality issues with the Model Three, particularly, sort of attempt to go full high volume, have been a bit patchy because they do a lot of sort of what they think is sort of tech company style corn not corner cutting they would call it but just sort of you know they get the, they, they yeah very lean you yeah, never see yeah. tesla prototypes paps in death valley or the arctic circle or canada or whatever not that i've ever seen mm. because they sort of do that test phase at an incredibly accelerated rate i presume they do a lot of climate chamber work and things instead but then model threes if it's very cold you can't get the doors open because the glass freezes to the seal because they've got frameless doors wow i didn't know this. And that's just you know elementary error that they would already figured out if they'd spend if the winter season in sweden not many Canadians driving well well no the eh? Canadians if you ever go online and sort of do search for disgruntled Canadians with Model 3s you'll find a load of them going couldn't get in my car again today Mm. which is a bit annoying you don't get that if you buy you know a Ford or something that's from a company that knows how to prove out its cars before you put them on sale so my thing with the Model Y is that I'm sure it'll be fine and they're saying it probably and I think he's right this is probably the highest volume tester of all because it's a more fashionable segment of car and it's more affordable and say what else you like about asking about Tesla but their cars have this desirability about them that I think because they are different and they have interesting features in them and you sort of look at them and go oh, I quite fancy I like the cut of that jib Absolutely. I mean I do think the Model Y is a bit disappointing to look at but well, maybe that's just me it's cute but in a non-threatening I do I mean cute in a not dynamic way is what I mean I don't know if I actually mean cute as a compliment do you know what I mean it's cute in the way that a pug is cute the Model 3 it's quite a, a neat elegant yeah, yeah it's a nice yeah. looking car yeah. have you ever yeah. seen one head on though with its upright yeah. side window it has no, you know, a car design is called yeah. tumble home the yeah, amount yeah. by which the sides slope in at yeah. the top and it has almost none it's like a fit multiple or something it's really upright I guess to get the space inside and also for I'm hmm. guessing maybe there's an aero reason as well where you want to do that just directly maybe, as I, was I don't know but I presume that the Model Y will be the same and from head on the 3 does look really gawky whereas mm. from any other angle it's just a very neat bit of car design yeah. it's not particularly have radical have you been inside this Model 3? I haven't no well, I've looked at the apparently the Model pictures. Y has this glass Ceiling. Yeah. Which yeah. women can't get through. Oh, oh all <laughs> political joke there, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it does look amazing. Lots of cars have that now, but I think it makes all car interiors, and it's standard on the Model Y, which is important because a lot of time it's an option, makes it feel really... Really? spacious yeah. and you mm. know you can see stuff and kids love a glass roof our, they do, our, yeah, yeah, our old yeah. family car had a glass yeah. roof and it's like my boy just spotting aeroplanes as we drive along it helps to make car journeys and that was manageable. in the Mersey tunnel yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to make of that model. I just feel like once again they've kind of announced it early because they need to keep money coming in because yeah, they're having still a tricky whether they time. Yeah, should be maybe concentrating yeah. on other things than launching a yeah, new did, model mm. right now. I but did. He said today that you can pay twenty five hundred pounds or American yeah. dollars to yeah. put a deposit on one of these on the model Y. So, yeah, and it was a refundable deposit yeah. that you could put in. But they did that for, I think it was $1,000 with the um, Model 3. 3. 250000 yeah, people. Yeah, like, but I just sort of, that's the thing. I feel like there's a bit of a, I mean, it's not a scam because it's perfectly legit and it's refundable, but it's mm. like what they're really doing is getting people to pay for the development of the car, mm. which is really what my point is that I don't think that car is anywhere close to being ready to go on sale. And they, I mean, they freely admit that. It's not supposed to start delivering until next autumn. So they've got 18 months. When which, we say next autumn, you mean 2021? One, not 2020. Uh, 20, no, 2020 for the regular models, and then the sort of entry level will come in 2021. But they've still got 18 months, basically. Yeah, from they're releasing now. four different variations a long range, standard range, dual model, or a performance range. Yeah, so. With a uh, dual motor, which dual is a four wheel drive version. Yeah, yeah. And then there'll be yeah, a sort sorry, of super fast version of that, which is the same as the Model, model 3. 3. Yeah, there's a dual motor. So they keep fuss arsing around with the range. There was a medium range Model 3, and then they've deleted it again, and now they're putting all their prices up, and now they've said, no, we're going to not. Well, I mean, that's simplifying the range. That may be a smart thing to do. Hmm. I've been thinking about the naming strategy for Tesla. Oh, God, that gets on my nerves. <laughs> but where's it going to go? The story is that the cars are named S-E-X-Y, but the E is a three because they weren't allowed to do a Model E because it was owned by, was it Mercedes? Ford. Oh, Ford, mm. of course. And so S-E-X-Y, the Model S, the Model E, which is the three, the Model X, the Model Y, where do they go next? I've worked well, it, it out. would be Model T. Maybe Model they could just... Grow up. That's why I think that's Well, it's not funny you should say that, but I think that's the answer of what they're going to call it next. What? I think the next two Teslas are going to be the Model M and the Model F. I don't know. Do you know what? I love some of that the stuff in Tesla. Do you know, like, uh, you can... Saying? 
you can make the big um, touchscreen in it into basically a drawing pad. Yeah. And you can do all that stuff with the unicorns and rainbows and, and the warp drive thing, hyperdrive, whatever it is, and stuff like that. Yeah. And you look at that stuff and you go, that's fantastic. It no is. one else is doing it that. It is great. That's things that it's bring silly, a smile to your face like for no reason for it to exist, but there's no yeah. reason for it not to. And you just go, well done. That is why Tesla's a breath of fresh air, because they're doing stuff that no one else is doing. But when it came to that model naming thing, I just went, that's some tedious nerd who can't a- get laid. It's coming up with some juvenile. nonsense. Yeah, it's, it's just, I know, I think it's not funny. And they did it wrong as well. They're all in the wrong order. It doesn't even make sense as a hierarchy. Why wasn't the Model S the Model E before they realised they couldn't use it? Because that's like their first big car, E for electric. And then the size hierarchy of the range might have made more sense, but it doesn't. And the thing is, when Elon Musk recapped this and went over this not good joke at that press conference for the Model Y, go and watch his delivery. You want to flush his head down the bog, the stupid little... I mean, I do have it's just infuriating. He is the worst public speaker of any the company boss I've ever seen. He does um and ah it's more appalling. than the Zog. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And oh, now we'll man. talk about the glass roof. You saw it, Sarah. I haven't oh, seen well, it. I would have watched it today online. Yeah. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Did you sit through all 50 homework. minutes of it? No, no, just it's, the, uh, what, the highlights. You have to watch the 10 minutes. Well, he, he announced the Model Y, and they're like, yep, still waiting, still waiting. I think three minutes later, the Model Y comes on stage. And it was really it was dark as well. He's usually yeah, put a spotlight on a new car. It was really like, gloomy. The whole thing was very odd. You but, see, this is a reason why Elon Musk cannot actually, in the end, be a real supervillain because he doesn't have that easy slick charisma no I quite like how he rates himself though I think that's part of his character isn't it it's almost like to the point where he's brushing Nico Rosberg on Twitter tell us his story I missed this what actually happened briefly because we're going to wrap this up okay very very briefly let me just read this so Nico Rosberg as we know he's former F1 driver former F1 driver former F1 prolific YouTuber F1 driver turned YouTuber (laughs) and he's really into his electric cars he's obviously known Formula E so Nico Rosberg this is his t- what's his tweet. connection with Formula E he's involved in one of the teams owner, isn't he? yeah. yeah for which team that's a good oh, question dear. I'm sorry I don't know the answer to that I actually saw him in Paris last year because I worked on the Formula E last year in Paris I said oh Nico he's had plans to be involved for a long time right Richard's looking it up for us anyway meantime so he's YouTubing Tesla Roadster prototype who wants to see me tested in anger retweet please three exclamation marks <laughs> And then he tags in Elon Musk. That would be super cool, exclamation mask. Hashtag Tesla Roadster. Hashtag YouTube. And then Tesla. And then he... um, So he was asking Elon Musk to retweet him, a deliberate request for a retweet. Yeah, yeah, please, 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 Elon Musk, retweet me and Elon Musk just... I have a policy. If someone asks you to retweet... That's a guaranteed no retweet. Well, it's at the discretion of the owner. Normally, what policy. if they've trapped but, but in, in a this well? Case, but in this case, surely uh, Rosberg <laughs> is ro- promoting his, his, his <laughs> Formula One driver promoting your roadster. Well, this is a bit, no, 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 like not a, just promoting, sure but he's road testing a prototype. So presumably he is part of a testing program for the Tesla Roadster, right. and he's a former F1 champion. You would think Musk might be more inclined to retweet that? That is a bit odd. Right, anyway. This just in. Nico Rosberg has invested in Formula E as a whole, apparently, uh, not just a team, because okay. he is a tech investor now, we remember. This is how he's filling his time while he's not being in F1. But he's been doing a lot of tech investing, and I don't know, I mean... <laughs> Why not? Exactly. Yeah, He's got a few quid to spare. And, and to do it, that's so probably an interesting field to go into. And he was in California a bit ago, I think. I saw him on social media just sort of hanging out in Silicon Valley, going around going, Hi, uh, I was in the area and I just wondered, got any tech I could invest in? <laughs> I've got a theory that he's probably going to be a very successful tech investor. Mm-hmm. Sure I quite he's quite very probably, interested yeah. in the Hyperloop as well. Is he? Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure he was Silicon Valley. He checked out the Hyperloop. Mm. Really? Yeah. In, well, I was going to say my reasons for believing he's a good investor is that you know how terrible he was at getting out of a car. <laughs> he's probably going to be really bad at getting out of investments as well. So he's just going to stay <laughs> with investments, and people will benefit from his. Well, not for him, but for the company involved. I heard yeah, the company yeah. was going down, but unfortunately, I'm tied to the stock by this cable. Helmets. Can't work out how to sell my shares. You've been listening to Richard Porter. Good Goodbye. To Sarah Lee. Goodbye. To Zog. Goodbye. I was Gareth, and we're going to leave you with a tune. Here's one in the style of The Cure about how Richard feels about Formula One sometimes.
upon a time I loved you I'd do anything you asked I'd get up for you in the middle of the night But now I can't be asked If I missed a race, I'd feel real pain But Vettel started winning again and again It's definitely you I know it's not me Cause now I can't watch you on the telly for free Our love was rich but now it's poor But you've become the crashing ball Oh baby you must know the score I don't love you anymore Our love was rich but now it's poor But you've become the crashing ball Baby, you must know the score I don't love you anymore I don't love you anymore Anymore Opportunities, go to GarethJones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! Speed!